So we began a message series last Sunday. Over the next several weeks, we'll be studying the first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis. The first book in the Bible. Genesis is where it all begins. But, but you know most of that already. We, we all think of the creation story when, we, when God created the heavens and the earth, right? But, but there was much more going on in these first pages of God's word. We find in the beginning of, of life, death, work, sin, shame, marriage, judgment, pride, faithfulness, forgiveness, love, generosity, hope, punishment. I mean, I could go on and on with what's found here in these pages. At all of the realities of, of being in this world trace their roots to Genesis. In fact, these first 11 chapters. Last week, we read how God created all things and declared them good. In fact, when he finished, it was very good. Today, we're, we're going to, to look at what was so very good about it. And, and is there any way we can reclaim God's original design and intent, that original goodness today? Because we see that our world is far from good, right? I mean, I shared with a friend this week that, that I know the news is bad for my soul. And yet I find myself turning on the news and I tell myself I just want to be informed, right? To know what's going on. And before I know it, I get sucked into it. And the news these days is pretty frustrating. I mean, the deceitfulness of politics, riots, people suffering and getting killed, natural disasters and disease, innocent people taken advantage of, officials failing to, to fulfill their responsibilities. But is this how things are supposed to be? It's certainly how they are. Genesis chapter 2 describes these facets of life, three facets of life, as, as they were meant to be. We read in, the, in chapter 1 how God created all things. But here in chapter 2, we get some very important additional information. So let's begin in verse 4 of chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. All things, or this is the account of the heavens and the earth, when, when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung, sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. It's life as it was meant to be right here in these pages. It's almost like the whole chapter 1 is summed up in this short paragraph. Not only does it sum up the whole chapter, right, but it gives us some important new information. But first, I know these first pages of the Bible cause difficulty for many people. I know because it came up in our small group on Monday night that many of us tend to look for more from these the first couple of chapters in Genesis than they were recorded to tell us. You see, this isn't a science book. The Genesis account of creation is not trying to tell us how God created trees and birds. It's not trying to explain the dinosaurs. Instead, it tells us about the Creator, who created and why. Because the Bible isn't a science book. So we don't have to, a prescription as to how we must believe creation happened beyond God's work. You may be one who reads the Bible and says, Mine says six days, and God rested on the seventh. Then it's six days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, done. If you think that's the way it happened, fine. 
If you think that somehow God worked over millions of years, that it that, that a day is as a thousand years and ten thousand years, and maybe in ten million years, fine. As long as you see that God was at work all along the way. You see, we don't have a required theology of creation or other than that God is the creator. Now, some churches do. They say that because the Bible says six days, that's the way it is. You can't change what a day means. But as Wesleyan Methodists, we're okay with disagreeing on the details, especially where the Bible isn't specific because no one was there but Jesus and the Bible isn't trying to explain how God did it, but the Bible tells us who created and how we are related to it. So when we look at the first few week verses of chapter 2, we see that God spoke things into existence. But not everything was spoken into existence. We see that humanity was uniquely created, formed by God's hand. God took dirt and actually shaped him. Man, that's different from everything else. God breathed into him. You see, humans were uniquely formed and filled, different from all of creation. The first man from the dust of the ground and the first woman from the rib of the man from his side. And chapter 1 tells us that, that we and only we were created in God's image. I mean, this applies directly to what's going on in our world today, you see. Because we were created in the image of God. No one has the right to degrade or destroy human life. Neither one's own life or that of someone else. I mean, this applies to every area of life, really. To social justice, to racial tensions, to, to sexual ethics, abortion, euthanasia. And that's just the beginning. Human life, you see, wasn't an accident. We see people who have different opinions, different values, different ways of doing things. And many of them probably irritate us. And in our frustration, we forget that they're worthy of our love and protection, if only because they are image bearers of God. They deserve wonder, appreciation, because they bear the image of God. So we value life, all life, as dignity. As I saw in a little meme on social media this week, that they were pro-life from womb to the tomb. Christians are called to value life because humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation. We need to protect it, preserve it, because each one of us bears the image of God like nothing else on earth. That's how we see life, as it was meant to be seen. And this leads me to the second facet of, of humanity as described in Genesis 2, verses 8 through 20. Those scriptures say, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man to be formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was segregated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, and where there is gold, the gold that is land is good, aromatic resin, and onyx is also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It, it winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher, and the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what the Lord, what he would name them. Whenever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Here we see God give man a territory. You see, from the very beginning, we had a, a tendency to wander if we were allowed to, right? God said, I'm going to surround you with rivers so that you don't wander away from what I'm giving you. A well-defined territory God gave him. But God also gave him a well-defined purpose. The purpose that we were meant to have. Purpose. We were meant to live out. To steward and care for, in cooperation with God. All of creation. See, he gave us dominion and a duty. See, God's purpose for creation and for Adam wasn't, he didn't want Adam just to try to figure it out. No. God actually took the time to show Adam his purpose. To, in cooperation with God to have dominion over all of creation. God's purpose was for us to work in cooperation with him see in these creation accounts we hear again and again Adam's work was to work the ground and care for the animals managing creation from the very beginning work has been the way things were meant to be that's a gift to us I've taken kids on mission trips all over the country and it usually involves some hard sweaty heavy difficult work and every time we come away feeling blessed blessed because we were engaged in our purpose-driven work kingdom building and that's not the only way we experience our purpose, as God meant for us to. From the very beginning, God gave men moral ability to do as God instructed. I mean, Adam had freedom, but his freedom found purpose in the boundaries that God established for life as it was to be meant, between the rivers, that tree, but not that tree. And this leads me to the third dimension of humanity, which God gave us in creation. That's marriage. Marriage. Verses 21 to 25 reads this way. It says, so, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he, he looked, took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the place with, a, with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he, that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Simply put, we were created to need a helper. A helpmate, as I've heard spouses called before. Now, before I get into marriage, right, I want to speak to the single people for a moment. I mean, singleness or marriage isn't your identity. It's your status. Your identity comes from who created you and how in his image. It doesn't change the fact that you were created to need a partner because, because the fact is you're insufficient for life as God designed it. Now, it's possible to have a great life 
as a single person. And obviously it is, because many people do. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul refers to, to it as a gift of singleness that enabled him to be invested in the Lord's work without having to deal with the responsibilities of a family. It took great faith and dependence on the Holy Spirit as his helper. But marriage was given in creation, and there was a particular design to marriage that we were meant to share. You see it right away, a man and a woman. I don't know, in our world today, that, that's not politically correct to say, but, but just like the Bible isn't a science book, it's not trying to be politically correct either. It's clear. God created man and woman with a clear purpose and design to complement each other sexually so they could be fruitful and multiply, but also emotionally and physically to be in a partnership with one another and with God, an intimate partnership with one another and with God. I say in partnership because they become one in marriage, in one flesh. God sees us as one flesh, each complementing the other while remaining distinctly individual and yet one together. Genesis, close and personal, right? Uh, the Puritan Matthew Henry, he said, uh, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be beloved. I like that. In fact, in marriage, as it were meant to be, the, the intimate partnership goes beyond the two of them. In fact, as they live in relationship with each other, they're, they're to live in relationship with God. I use the image of a triangle uh, in, in, in my conversation with couples. In, in one corner of the triangle is represents a woman and one triangle a man and the other a God. You can see that as the man and woman get closer to God, they also get closer to each other. You might say that they get closer to marriage as it were meant to be, the closer they get to God. I say intimate because... It says right in the text that they were naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. They, they hid nothing from one another. They shared everything. There was no manipulation, no sarcasm, no, no, no past, no abuse, no mistrust. I'm imagining what some of you are thinking right now. Yeah, but pastor, that's not my marriage. There's shame in my marriage because I've not treated life as it meant, was meant to be. I've not treated my spouse. I've not obeyed God as I was purposed to. My marriage is not how God intended it. In fact, my whole life is filled with problems and mistakes. You don't know my in-laws. You don't know my boss. You don't know the things I've done or the things they did to me. And if that's you, I just want to say you're right. I do know this. I do know that this is not the Garden of Eden. I know the world we are living in is a world that is broken. People lie, cheat, steal, riot, destroy, manipulate, bully. We all know it. And we, if we haven't experienced it, we can see it every day on the news. But, but just because the world is that way doesn't mean that we can't reclaim God's intention for our life, our purpose, our marriage. Reclaiming what was meant to be. I'm a firm believer that the way things are 
isn't the way they have to be. Why do I believe such things? Because I have seen it happen. I have seen transformation. I've seen workaholics become great parents. I've seen broken relationships restored. I've seen exhausted business owners become inspired. I have seen warriors become confident. I've seen neglected parents or negligent parents become invested parents. Scripture says all creation is yearning for things to be made right. And God is working to foster this transformation in and through his people. I can't promise you a quick fix that you can say a prayer and God will, will solve all your problems. But I can promise you that as you begin to cooperate with what God is doing in your life, that you will see progress. You, the, the progress that you seek, you will begin to see life as, you, as it was meant to be. But as you surrender to what God is doing in you, you will begin to see real transformation in the world around you. I know some of us, we, we look around and think, I, I, I don't want it to be perfect. I just wish it were more like his or hers. I want, a, I want a job like that, a marriage like that, a life like that. Well, let me tell you, no one is perfect. As Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you see, God is trying to help you right now, in this moment, reclaim how things were meant to be, as John wrote in John 1. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. See, he wants to make things new. We need this forgiveness because we long for a restart. But more than just a second chance, we long to be reset to reset our way, to reclaim his way. And we realize that, just like it says, Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that life starts now. The, the new way of living, it starts right now. God wouldn't call us to something that can't be a reality for us. In fact, with God, all things are possible. The things we, we couldn't do are possible for us as we rely on God, His power, and His direction. And Jesus is His gift to us to show us the way. As Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We just need to follow Him, to open our life to His leadership and follow Him in the way we treat others, in the way we see our purpose follow and follow him in our marriages. So I ask you to open your life to him. Open your life to him. John wrote in Revelation 3.20, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Do you want life as it was intended? It can only be found in Christ. Pray a prayer of surrendering your life today. Asking him to reset things, to recalibrate your life, to refocus you. Pursuing things as they were meant to be. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for this call to, 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 re, to, to see our lives refashioned as they were meant to be. Lord, begin your work transforming us even in this moment. Father, we give you our life. We know the places and the times when we fail and fall back. We recognize that, God. We want to live, we want to experience life 
here and now as it were meant to be. And we know that you have called us to be a part of making that happen. So Lord, we surrender to you. Lead God and direct our lives. Thank you for forgiving us of our past, for setting us on a path towards a new future. Lord God, thank you for making all things new. Lead, guide, and direct our lives, Lord. We love you, and we praise you for what you're doing. Even now. Pray all this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want to say welcome to the family. Right? I just want to say welcome that God is good and He loves you and He wants to give you that life. Your call is to obey. When He prompts us to do something, we, just, we need to obey that. I mean, he's, it's not a magic bullet. He shows us what to do. Our responsibility is to act. So, I'm asking for you bold obedience follow him into the life as it was meant to be, full of grace, love, truth. All right? Amen. If you join me in our benediction today, I'll send you into the week as best we can. All right? Life is much more than an accident. Wherever I go, I believe God needs me. Wherever I am, I trust that God has put me there, that he has a purpose for me being there, Christ alive in me, wants to do something through me no matter where I am. I believe this, and I go in His grace, and His love, and His power. Amen. Amen.